Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode number 99 of Thyroid Nation Radio Live Talk Show and Podcast. I'm Dana Bowman, founder of ThyroidNation.com and ThyroidHealing.yoga. And I'm Tiffany Mladenich of GratefulGarden.biz and MendingMedicine.com. Today we are talking with the lovely L. Russ. Author, uh, comedian, uh, actress, writer, uh, beauty about fat burning and metabolism. Very, very excited to have her on the show. Very, very excited. And it looks like she's already with us. So let's get this Thyroid Nation thriving. Let's jump right in. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Very good. Thank you. How are you this morning? Great to be here. It's a beautiful, (laughs) lovely California day. I was going to say you're in Malibu, right? I am. I'm in the mountains above Malibu, and it's sunny and lovely, and it's got that, like, yummy spring air. You know, I'm sure, I mean, everyone across the country knows that yumminess, so I love this time of year. Absolutely love Malibu. I grew up in Encino, and I'm just uh, oh. just to the east of you in Joshua Tree now, a little bit, a little <gasps> bit different uh, terrain there. I love Joshua Tree. <laughs> I've been six times, and every time I go, I feel like, Hiking through that park, um, one of my favorite hikes, it, it changes me in some really substantial way. Like, I always leave there feeling like it was a really in-depth experience. There's something about Joshua Tree. It's an amazing place. I, I have to agree. I don't think I've always appreciated that living here until I, I actually went to Sedona, and everybody was really excited. They're like, can't wait to hear what you think about Sedona and, you know, just the magic and the energy. And, you know, it's funny. When I, I mean, it was absolutely beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Um, and uh, but when I came back into Joshua Tree, I was it it moved me like it never had before. So I totally get what you're saying. But it took me ten yeah. years to actually wrap my head around that. It is <laughs> At least you got there. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> A little slow on the uptake. <laughs> well, I know Dan- Dana, are you still with us? I am. I'm just listening to you guys. Oh, I mean, okay. I can talk like, about Costa Rica for. <laughs> For eight years, I've right, been in Costa Rica. Right. I don't know if oh, you've been yeah. well. So, so um, I, I haven't, but I was that talking about it. Yeah, I was talking about it the other day because I had a couple of friends that were thinking about going, and I have heard so many wonderful things, and the photos look amazing. I'd love to go. Oh, it's just uh, well, it changed me. We, you know, we lived there, so you know, living there is a to- totally different perspective uh, from living in the United States. You get to see the states from a different perspective. So. It was fabulous, and of course, it's beautiful and lovely and all those wonderful things. But um, yeah, so I was just letting you guys talk about California. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well this we is um, an awesome topic. Yeah, yes. we are ready we are, to we just are jump. We excited to <laughs> stop finishing my sentence. <laughs> um, oh my god! Let's let's hear your story. Let's dive right into it. Uh, where do you want yeah, me to start from the beginning? <laughs> well, yeah, let's, from the let beginning. Me, let's, let's introduce, you know, a little bit about who you are and all of that, and then kind of lead into the why you start started the why, why you wrote the book, Thyroid Solution, and et cetera. Sure. So um, I uh, I'm an actor and a writer, and I came to Los Angeles to pursue those endeavors in the entertainment industry. And at the time, uh, as a lead, sort of actress type, uh, you know, there's a certain way that you kind of need to look. In fact, a lot of leading ladies train like athletes. And so, you know, it's getting better and there's more quote, normal looking people on TV now, but you know, 13, 14 years ago when I was really 
uh, pursuing it, you kind of had to model that. So I was looking for the best exercise diet regimen to achieve this body of which I needed to maintain for these leading role auditions. And I, like a lot of people, there wasn't paleo primal or really a low carb uh, avenue back then. There was Atkins, but that was still like reserved for very few people right. kind of thing. Um, and so I followed the general mainstream paradigm of the eat every two, three hours, keep your insulin, uh, you know, uh, the zone, the South Beach, you know, five small meals a day kind of dealio. And that combined with some overtraining and essentially probably living a low fat, low carb, uh, high protein paradigm, doing chronic cardio, really overtraining. And again, this is what I thought you had to do to get the body because I had it. And so even though I was suffering greatly inside in terms of uh, sugar addictions, I have awful blood sugar drops all the time and uh, would be driving in the car and like literally couldn't even wait for another half an hour in the car to go home. I'd have to pull over to some grocery store in the middle of nowhere to like go up to the deli and get some meat and cheese in my body. Like I just couldn't even handle it because I'd have these, you know, hypoglycemic meltdowns. And then one day uh, everything just fell apart. I started to gain weight. My hair started to fall out. Um, I worked out two hours a day. I ate, you know, less than 1,200 calories, and here I am just going from about, I'm 5'2", and I went from about 110, 115 pounds to 160 with working out and doing that. And along the way, started to get lots of other issues. Um, The first indicator of something really wrong was I, at age 30, just started to get my period like every other week. And I had perfect gynecological history, even in my family, Uh, And I went to the doctor and they just kept uh, putting me on the birth control pill and had tested my thyroid incorrectly using the worst test to evaluate thyroid called the TSH and said, your thyroid's fine. You need to work out more and eat less. And I said, you know, what the hell do you think I'm doing? And I went undiagnosed (laughs) for a couple of, I went undiagnosed for a couple of years and in those couple of years developed a polyp in my uterus, a fibroid. I was misdiagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome, which I do not have. And went down this road. And what happened was, is trying to find the answers. I went through in a decade, about a total of maybe 50 doctors, but on the first round, 25, and no one could help me. They either hurt me by giving me things that were not right. They weren't testing me correctly and no one would help me. And I was lost. And I had a PPO. I'm an educated person. I've gotten many opinions. I uh, did my best. And I was really left in the dust by the medical community. And so unfortunately, I had to take my own health into my own hands. And I ended up solving my hypothyroidism myself by using doctors for blood work or getting my own blood work and ordering my own thyroid meds and dosing myself. Now, I really shouldn't have had to do that. <laughs> I really right. shouldn't have had to do that in a major city like Los Angeles. Okay, so why did I have to do that? It's because 99% of the doctors out there are uninformed. They are, on my opinion, practicing, it's borderline malpractice the way they are treating thyroid patients. And um, then what happened is I was fine. I got on the medication, um, some thyroid hormone replacement. I was on natural desiccated, and I was doing well for six years. And I thought, oh, thank God this is over. Now I just have to take this, and my life will be fine. Well, six years into it, I started to feel hypothyroid, even though I was on thyroid hormone replacement, and I didn't know that that was possible. And so I didn't really look at thyroid as being a, a, a factor And what happened was, is I got what now is a problem that is on the rise and ever increasing, whether it be with people not on thyroid hormone replacement or people on it, which is called reverse T3 hypothyroidism. Now, reverse T3 hypothyroidism is now a situation where even less doctors understand how to test it, evaluate it, and treat it. So for the second time in a decade, I was left on my own again. 
And I could not find a doctor who was uh, either knowledgeable or willing to help me fix it. And so, again, I was left in the dust on my own to solve my own thyroid problem, and I did. So now this is the second time in a decade, and as this is going by, I'm running into people all over the world. I'm, they're just bringing up thyroid issues to me. It's like it just shows up, and I'm helping it's them and so looking good. at their blood work, and, you know, I'm, I'm helping them with their doctors and trying to get the right write tests and a friend is like you know you should write a book on this and I'm still thinking like yeah whatever maybe someday it just wasn't my uh passion and it really wasn't until I I met Mark Sisson and started working for him and he's the best-selling author of the primal blueprint and really tapped into primal paleo living and really adopted it that I started to see I reduced my medication in half and not only that but I started to see that I was finally losing the weight that I had gained while I was hypothyroid. And what a lot of people don't know is you often become extremely insulin resistant while you are in a hypothyroid state. So it really doesn't matter if you're given thyroid hormone and you feel good, you still might be insulin resistant. And that also could lead to the thyroid hormones not working as well as they should. So there's lots of problems and issues here. And I started to connect the dots and the light bulb went off and it became an instant passion and a compulsion to write the book. There was not a logical decision about it. It was I had found the connections within, you know, human DNA and how we're designed and meant to operate and live through a paleo primal ancestral principles and how that relates to thyroid. And actually, as we speak, even though this is not currently in my book because it actually just happened, I'm actually completely 100% off all thyroid hormones for the first time in 13 years for the past three months. So if so if anyone uh, so the protocols in my book work and they accidentally worked on me, um, it's kind of near impossible or a rarity that when someone has shut down their thyroid production exogenously for 13 years that it would spark back into place. But it just goes to show you, if you correct a lot of the underlying scenarios and the soup, providing the right situation for hormones thyroid hormones to be output produced and metabolized you can really get back to optimal health. Now, I believe I probably had more shot, more of a shot at this because I gave myself hypothyroidism when I look back. It was my lifestyle. It was my diet. It was I had a selenium deficiency. I had other things that were absolutely, when I look back in time, I would have followed the, the natural protocols in my book now, and I probably would have fixed it then. But nobody knew these protocols. No one knew anything but Atkins. No one knew about these components, and it just wasn't available. So I was looking for the book that I wrote while I was suffering, and I couldn't find it. And then, you know, thank God I did. So I found the answers, and it's great. And so now it's very strange because this has happened to me where – it certainly is more of a sell for my book that I'm off thyroid hormones, but it's also a very interesting, weird place to be because when you're in a place where your life is dictated by taking a hormone that you need to live on and then you go to not doing that, it's, it's really an interesting thing. So I've, um, I'll probably put that maybe if there's a second edition of my book down the road or I will you know, uh, probably do an in-depth podcast on this particular experience, but that's where I am now, um, and that was really unexpected. So I was on T3 only up until a few months ago. And I'm one of uh, maybe two or three authors in the world who were on T3 only and wrote about it. And that is another component to my book that's really important because even though T3 only is a little bit of a last resort of something in terms of thyroid hormone replacement as, a, as an avenue to take, it's, it's really a last resort. But it's, a re, it, it, it's an option that needs to be known about because it is life-saving. So that's sort of how I came to where I am now. Very long answer. Sorry about that. But it, it, I accidentally became an expert through having to battle this myself and without doctors. 
I have a philosophy degree. I have no medical degree. But, you know, when you are desperate, I was willing to do anything. And I spent all of my time because I was like, I will not accept this. I will not accept it. And I'm glad I didn't because, you know, I'll tell you what, now the six years of my life, six, seven years of my life that I totally suffered from hypothyroidism. And when I say suffered, I mean crying multiple times a day inside of my house, not leaving a mess, couldn't even bend my leg without feeling like I drank a bottle of MSG. This is a horrific disease that is 100% solvable, and it kills me that anybody goes undiagnosed and suffers for any amount of time. And 60% of people are undiagnosed. I went undiagnosed for two years. And for those people that don't understand, what happens is, is this disease state you will get a disease that you otherwise would not have gotten while you're hypothyroid. You will eventually from it, not directly, indirectly, because this, this, this baseline of what's going on in your body, this disease state, really throws everything off. That's why you get misdiagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. And then the doctor's trying to put a Band-Aid on that. They're not looking at the, at the root, right? Or then you have abnormal right. bleeding or you have infertility or a miscarriage. And doctors are looking at, oh, well, let's give them progesterone or let's give them this. And they're not looking at the main producer and regulatory system of sex hormones, which is the thyroid. Um, patients go to doctors and they say, oh, you've got high cholesterol. You need statins. Nope. Check the thyroid. Wrong right. again. Secondly, oh, I, I've got bipolar or I'm, I'm, I'm depressed. Or, oh, well, we'll give you Prozac. That'll work for three months. And then it won't work because you never address the root of it. So I greatly suffered for so many years and had to do this by myself, I can only imagine. And it is right. worth it to me now. The suffering was worth it to be able to help others get, get through this and get, to Z, get from point A to Z as quick as possible. Okay, I've got a couple questions, burning questions. I wish I would be writing them down. <laughs> okay, number one, were you ever diagnosed Hashimoto? No, I wasn't, and I did get tested several times and was shown negative. Okay, so no, no autoimmunity no in the mix here. Okay, gotcha. Right, I uh, and I apologize. Is it is it L or Ellie? It's L. It's L. Okay, perfect. I didn't want to make that mistake. Okay. Second thing is when you, so you've been on natural desiccated thyroid. You said mm -hmm. you were on T3 only for uh, the, the prior three years, correct? Yep, about four years total, yeah. So you've, you've pretty much covered the grommet in medications. I really have, and I also have covered the grommet from, I've been hypothyroid without medication, hypothyroid reverse T3 on medication, and I've also right. been hyperthyroid. I really right. understand and empathize with that too, and that's a you really mean over medicated. One as well. Hi that's right. Over medicated. Yes, yes. I that's think right. that's actually more common than people actually know. <laughs> Sadly, so tell us. Yeah, it's a it's a tough one. It's a tough one, big time. I and mean, and some I people think, think they live better that way and don't realize, which is also kind of uh, confusing, frustrating. For sure. Whatever, for you know? sure. Yeah. It's interesting because especially with, so with hyperthyroidism, I mean, you can really, there's, there's signs and symptoms and there are right. so many factors agitation, that are, right, right, right. agitation, you know, sweaty, the heart rate is, uh, you know, uh, elevated, uh, just resting Actually, heart rate. my heart and rate there, was fine, but I gained 30 pounds. There you go. That's when I went, And they kept think, telling me that they wanted to suppress my thyroid. It needs to be suppressed. It needs to be suppressed because I have thyroid eye disease. 
And I kept saying, I don't feel well. You know, my numbers looked beautiful. I had no palpitations whatsoever, but I gained 30 pounds. And I'm like, I don't feel well (laughs) at all. Yeah, that's another misconception. People think that hyperthyroidism, because often people who are hyperthyroid can't gain weight and they're very skinny. And so people think also, too, you can think the opposite, that if you're getting fatter, then you just need more thyroid hormone. And this is a really... Uh, right. A huge misconception because huge anyone misconception. can just look up. Yeah, just anyone can look up Missy Elliott, the rapper. She had Graves' disease. She obviously she was very overweight for most of her life. So, um, and the reason is you become hypermetabolic, you crave more, blood sugar gets thrown off. These things actually promote weight gain. So it is this whole thing is a Goldilocks situation. It really it is. is. And, and that's you know why, most- as humans, we're ninety eight point six. You know, we have a general thermostat for humans. We have general ballparks of of numbers, and there's a reason why. Because if the body's too cold, the enzyme enzymatic production and other things get screwed up. And same if it's too hot, there's inflammation. There's hypermetabolic uh, situations going on. So it really is about being just right. And this is individual. And so any, I've had doctors in the past tell me I was hyperthyroid when I wasn't just based on numbers. That's not a way to do it. Um, So numbers aren't the only way to determine it. It really is a matter of so many factors. And I'm I don't know if you took your temps back then, but were your temps elevated when you were? No. Hmm. No. But you had a whole different person. (laughs) You have a whole different animal. Dana calls me, Dana calls me opposite woman. Yes. I have uh, thyroid eye disease with Hashimoto's. Okay, right. It's very rare, but it happens. And and mm-hmm. that's seriously, like, I, it, there's nothing normal about me. <laughs> Just stop there. <laughs> uh, but there were, you know, Epstein-Barr played a huge factor for me. Sure, and, and me just, too. Just all of that. I mean, there's there's so many things. Okay, so I want to I wanna stay focused. So you went on T3-only medication, and now you have been off all medication for three months, correct? That's right. And um, if you look, and I've taken two thyroid tests since. The That's day awesome. After. How are you feeling? Tell us how, I'm feeling what re- is the difference I'm feeling amazing. in how you feel. Like do you when you went off the medication were you just like oh, because of course T three only medication you would have felt significantly different because of the half life very quickly. Right. Well, here's the interesting thing about uh I believe that being on T three only was actually one of the reasons that I was able to even know that I could get off because this was an unintentional accidental situation what happened was is I was already tired of t3 and I had already realized that I had corrected some of the underlying issues involved with uh, not converting t4 to t3 after all those years and so I was ready to go back on nature throid and go back on natural desiccated um, because I was um, and, and the long story short of it is t3 only is a is kind of a disaster to manage. Um, I'm going to be real honest about it. It's, it's a big pain in the ass. And while it's a lifesaver and while it, um, it can really be amazing for people that can't convert T4, I, I get it, but it is very hard to mismanage. And here's why. T4 is the slow release form, right? And it's kind of um, your body decides on a cellular lever, level when you need and don't need T3. I can't make those decisions. Right? right? I'm not inside right. of my cell. So, so when you're taking T3 only, you know, you might mismanage it accidentally all the time. You know, it, it can happen. So what happened to me was, as I was getting tired of T3, the way it happened was is I started to feel hype. Every time I've reduced, I went paleo, I cut my T3 in half from like 100 micrograms to 50. That was already a huge drop. 
I'm assuming I became more efficient, inflammation dissipated, and, you know, I started to get healthier. Therefore, I, I was more efficient at, at processing T3. Then I just kept um, reducing it because I would notice, and I have diagnostics. I wear a continuous heart rate monitor. I take my temps and, you know, blood pressure and all that. So I started to feel hyper, and then I would keep reducing, and then I'd have a new set point, and I'd feel hyper again. And I started to go, okay, this is crazy. Am I just, and by the way, I was very seriously ketogenic during this time, very low carb. So the need for T3 drops even further. I'm getting metabolically efficient. I keep dropping. I'm finally down to like 18 micrograms. And then this seems crazy to me at this time. So I'm going, okay, how am I even on this low of a dose? I keep reducing because I'm like, all right, well, I'm about to go on nature thread. I had the bottle ready to go. And I thought, well, it might be even nicer if I'm subsisting on such a low dose of T3 right now. Maybe I'd lower it as much as I can. And then I start the nature thread, you know, just a philosophy on how to do that. And then I got down to five micrograms of T3 and I was feeling fine. In fact, feeling like I didn't even need that. And that's when I honestly had a real weird prophetic dream about it. I called my doctor on the book, Dr. Forsman. I said, I know this sounds crazy. I have a feeling my thyroid may be coming back. And I know you've said that's probably not likely, but I'm, this is my gut and I've got to go get it tested. So I'm not going to take the nature thread right now. What do you think? He's like, go ahead. My first test, the TSH and T4 were 100% normal, like that of my brothers or anyone else in the world that has no T3 problems. Right. I still had a little bit of a reverse T3 problem. Then the second time, about a month later or so, I got my tests again, and they were even more optimal. Um, however, it still showed a little bit of reverse T3. So I upped my selenium per my doctor and also upped certain other nutrients. And the one last thing that we didn't do is I looked, we finally did a heavy metals test it did come back high mercury. So right now, um, as I'm still off thyroid hormone, feel great, but I am doing the natural supplemental collation, um, not DMSA, but Pectoclear, sort of a natural three-monther. And I only have one tiny silver filling left in my mouth, but I'm going to get it replaced because I've already removed all of the other mitochondrial efferies <laughs> that are going on in, in, in my body. And so this is the last one and, and mercury and heavy metals can affect mitochondria and metabolism and thyroid. So that's just one last thing I'm doing right now. Other than that, I feel um, totally normal. The, the strangest thing about all of this is the not being locked to iPhone timers and carrying medication everywhere I go to sort of a weird place to be in. Um, but I believe I'm not sure. And, and the reason I believe being on T3 is what kind of maybe helped get there accidentally. So as I started to, I had no T4 in my body and no TSH for four years. So as I started to reduce the T3, my impression is that my brain popped back in at a certain point when it got low and said, Oh, there's no T4 here. Started to send the TSH signal, started to produce T4, but, 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 and then I was hyper because my body was probably like, Hey, we got this. And I didn't know that that was <laughs> happening. But, but, at, but that made sense because I kept feeling like each reduction of the T3 dose in a few days would then become, I'd feel still hyper again and have to reduce more. And like you said, it happens quickly because of the half-life of T3. I'm not sure that I would have been able to do this. And by the way, that right. transition anyway. of going down from T3 and being off it was actually extremely smooth. There was not a day or two where I felt hypo or weird at all, and I believe that maybe being on T3 only allowed that situation to happen more smoothly than it could have if you were on a T4, T3 combo and stopped all of that. I don't know. Right, right. Um, I've never heard of anyone doing this before, so I might be the only one who's been in this situation. 
as far as at least being on T3 only and, and getting off of it and having this happen. So it's a really interesting experience. I'm learning a lot. And, um, you know, I'm not opposed to going back on thyroid hormone if I have to. Um, I doubt I would ever need to go on a T4 um, T3 combination. I think with the way my TSH and T4 looks now, I think that if I needed anything in the future, it might just be a skosh of T3. That might be the only thing I would need. Wow. Right, right, right. Quick question. Any other underlying uh, issues, Al, like uh, a, a parasite or um, yeah. a bacterial infection or uh, Epstein-Barr? Was there any other thing that played yeah. a role? Candida. I, I've been able to actually drop my thyroid medication significantly, but I had uh, a pretty good um, bout with Epstein-Barr. I mean, my titers were I over 400. So. Um, I feel like that plays a huge role, like as I'm getting better and healing, like I am so grateful, like I could literally, you know, just worship whatever for the thyroid medication during that time with four kids. It's it's what helped me go. Do you know what I'm saying? It's what kept me going and so I'm so grateful, but it's amazing as I've healed from that. And of course I'm guessing, I'm guessing I can flat out say for everybody, it's a straight hypothesis with me, but um, as I was healing from the Epstein-Barr, then I needed less and less thyroid medication. There you um, go. I mean, I went from That's 120 right. and I'm down to 30 right now, and I, I still go through these bouts exactly how you're explaining it of telling my endocrinologist, I don't feel well, I feel hyper, please let me cut it down. And, and he has become very compliant, to, to be honest, in this because he's watching it. You know what I'm saying? He's like, okay, he's, he's very willing to ask me how I'm feeling, how I'm doing, you know, there were some great concerns about my eyes. So far, my eyes are doing just fine. But it's, it's, an, it's such an amazing journey, right? <laughs> so you did have it, uh, some really Epstein-Barr is. in there. I do. So I did. Was, and, um, you did, yeah. Epstein-Barr was a factor, uh, even up until a little bit recently. Also, Candida was a factor. Those Both are factors. Um, and, then, again, this is why adopting a paleoprimal low-carb – I mean, the, right. the diet and lifestyle factors so – clear into this and this is why this is why you can't just get you know look you can give someone all the thyroid hormone they want you want it does it's not going to solve it because and there's where people go wrong people that are just blindly taking thyroid hormone all, all every day and don't know how it works and how it's metabolized you know they're really doing themselves a disservice if you've been diagnosed with something step up and learn about it people this is because you're going to run into problems and you need to know how to handle it in case your great doctor that you have like retires what are you going to do then or you know what i mean like so this right. is a lifelong thing you have to be educated about. There are so many things that contribute to uh, messing up one's thyroid. You could have Lyme's disease. You could have gotten to right. a crazy car accident, so had a divorce, any kind yeah. of major stress or physical stress because in the event of a stressful physical event, like the flu even. So, and here's where T3 only is a problem. problem. So let's say uh, I was on T3 only and I got the flu. Now, Normal people with normal thyroid output or people on T4, T3 hormone replacement or T4 only replacement, their bodies are going to decide in that moment, uh-oh, there's inflammation, there's a flu, there's this virus. We've got to deal with that. We are going to take some of this T4. We're going to convert it into reverse T3, the inactive form, because we don't need to make this person hypermetabolic right now or add any more inflammation or lugs to the campfire. And right. that's what your body's doing for you behind the scenes. So if I'm on T3 right. only and I get the flu, then I, I should at least uh, be making this mental decision of, uh-oh, I should probably reduce my T3 right now because my body would naturally probably be wanting to naturally do that anyway. Do that. But again, 
But again, right. how do I decide by how much and what and what? And that's right. where it becomes tricky and a pain in the ass. And people who dose T3 only, unless you're on slow release, you've got to do it three to five times a day. So that's where something like that becomes a problem. But back to right. what else can screw things up. Selenium deficiency, 100%. Candida, got to clear that up really quickly, everybody. So easy to clear. It's starving oneself of sugar, number one because that's what the candida feeds on. But it really is switching up the probiotics every month for a couple of months, uh, not taking the same probiotic. You are giving that bacteria a chance to overcome Thank and you. get used to things. So you do that. And then the other way to do it, and I killed candida in like six weeks. Pretty, I mean, I could tell in my brain, because as you know, if you've had candida, it really ruins your brain. It can mimic thyroid. Yeah, it can mimic hypothyroid symptoms like brain fog and so can EBV, which is why it's important to get these things under control. And Get the diet and lock everything down so that you can actually properly assess what is and what isn't a hyposymptom. Um, so, so things like, you know, like we talked about Lyme disease and infection, selenium deficiency, um, a stressful Even situation, iron. stressful breakup. Anemia, iron deficiency. Anemia right. or iron overload. A lot of people don't realize iron overload can cause just as much problems if not worse than anemia for thyroid. It can. It can climb. Yeah. It can it, it cause inflammation. Um, and the other thing, too, so ferritin needs to be between 50 and 100 for men and women. Ferritin is iron storage. That is what every thyroid patient has to look at. There are other right. iron labs. Also, too, if someone has really high ferritin and they have not been taking iron, that is a signal that you have inflammation going on. And that high ferritin number will not really tell you what your true ferritin number is. So if someone's, right. like, not been taking iron and their ferritin's, like, over 100, which mine was 150 at one point, which is top of the range, right. that really says this person is, is inflamed. Now, when I got the inflammation down, my ferritin went back down to 67, like a normal marker of, oh, okay, this seems normal. Right. Um, but when I was inflamed, so that can be a misgaged test, but it's something that needs to get taken because if people are low in it, and when I say low, really under 50, it, something needs to be addressed there, that is going to screw up how your own thyroid hormone works or how the ones you are swallowing every day works. So right. there are a lot of these factors, and it can seem complicated and overwhelming, but you mitigate so like many you said, of them. An, an educated patient, though. I mean, this is what an educated patient. You know, a lot of people don't realize your your physician's job is to rule things out. You can't just walk in there and and they'll give you a magic answer of what's wrong. You know what I'm saying? Their job is actually to rule all of these things out. Technically, in an in an ideal world, L, don't you think they would rule it out before they put you on thyroid medication, <laughs> so that you would have, you know. At least you would understand why you were taking it, and then if you'd ruled all those things out and corrected those deficiencies and addressed those That's virus right. and, and you know dealt with the parasites and dealt with the bacterial overgrowth and this and that, you may very well not need the thyroid medication. I mean, that's a thing. We need to well, tell our doctors, thing. you need to do your job. Well, and here's the thing, but when you go Please, to do your you job. a Western doctor... Yeah, you're asking right. for 15 minutes. You're asking to go to a prescriptionist. Right. And this is why going to a functional medicine doctor, anti-aging, so DO, these guys are going to, these men and women, they understand these other components. Uh, right. Also, too, a regular doctor does not understand or even know or even think that you can actually do anything about Hashimoto's antibodies. And you absolutely can and should do everything you can to get antibodies to low and or undetectable levels. It's 100% positive. It's even 100% possible through diet alone. So 
a lot of people don't know that. So I know people that have Hashimoto's and their antibodies are maybe always around 300 and they keep going to the doctor, they test the antibodies and then they're doing great on medication. They feel fine. They're not hypo, but the doctor just looks at the antibodies and go, oh, well, they have Hashimoto's. Therefore, there'll always be antibodies. No, that's not true. You need to do everything you can to lower and address these antibodies because the presence of antibodies equal inflammation equal be getting more autoimmune and other issues and are just more prone to it. In fact, Hashimoto's women are more likely to give birth to um, kids with uh, autism. And there are lots of other things that can be prevented even beforehand on this. If you, so, so a lot of modern doctors, you know, again, they're not looking at the whole picture here. Um, so, and Hashimoto's, and here's the thing for the reason my, my book is called Paleo Thyroid Solution. It's not just because a paleo lifestyle and or diet will fix a potential thyroid problem. It, it absolutely can. But it is because, and here's the, the ultimate thing, this is really not just about a food list. It's because a paleo primal lifestyle and diet is the ultimate in adrenal management and blood glucose management. And those two things are 100% related to thyroid output and also related to our sex hormones and whether they are going to be antagonistic to them or not. This whole thing is a concert that works together. And so that is why blood glucose management and adrenal management is really important. It's also why people with type 2 diabetes often get hypothyroidism and vice versa. So this is something that has to be addressed. And my book is the only one that really brings all those things together. We're like a hive mind here. So what... (laughs) is paleo that's where i was going to go with you what is paleo and how does it help the thyroid what yeah, in, you a, know because i think there's there's kind of little different definitions of paleo per se what is l's version of paleo what is what you discuss in your book and how does that apply specifically to help the thyroid hum yeah i i'll I, I really break it down for you so most people in this world have this misconception that paleo primals, like, oh, here's this food list that doesn't involve grains or dairy or blah, 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 you know, and, and uh, if you just eat from this list and, you know, then you're eating clean and there you go. That's actually right. not it, uh, and I'll tell you why. So the paleo primal paradigm is not a gimmicky diet, like trickery, let's mess with the body. It is the only human DNA genetically aligned diet, meaning that, we were all given this DNA blueprint uh, as humans, you know? So, for example, I, my neighbor has a horse. I would never go up and feed that horse a ribeye steak, okay? Ever. Right. That, horse, right. that horse's DNA and makeup is designed in a totally different way. Same with cows. They've got four stomachs. They can eat grass all day long, and we can't. So, you know, everyone's got their own DNA, every species, and humans have our own. And we are meant to eat the flesh of animals and their fat and very low carb. That is, our bodies are meant to run primarily on fat. Most people in this country are sugar burners. What does that mean? That means they are primarily fueled from glucose. How do you know if you're a sugar burner? Can you go more than four, five, eight, 10, 12 hours without eating and not have a hangry meltdown or mental energy slip or feel at all cranky? I can. And most people listening would probably say, no way I could go eight hours without food. Well, then guess what? You're a sugar burner. And when you are a sugar burner, that is a hypoglycemic up and down state that is constantly Every time there's highs and lows with blood sugar, the adrenals come to respond because they find it to be a threat. Our ancestors never ate more than 80 carbs a day, okay? And the bottom line is our DNA, our our cells expect us to be run on fat 
for example, breast milk, it's 50% saturated fat. Um, You know, all of our cells are aligned with that. It's often why people who are strict vegetarians or vegan from a young age often don't even get their period for 20 years. It's because you need cholesterol and fat to support this system. So that's why we have all the type 2 diabetes commercials on television, because most people are eating more than 150 carbohydrates a day, often 300 or more. That's a danger zone. It wouldn't even matter if you were running all of that off every day in a half marathon and were skinny, you're still in trouble. So there is a such thing as like skinny fat. You know, it, blood work is blood work, right? There are lots of people that are insulin resistant and headed towards type 2 diabetes that do not look it. So right. it is also a misconception to think that weight equates health in any kind of way. Um, you might be looking at that skinny person and wish you had her body, and then you would look at her blood work, and you'd be running away from that because you wouldn't want that. So, you know, you don't know. So, so what it is is paleoprimal. It takes about 21 days to a month to really turn back on our genes to become what they are inherently meant to be, which is running on fat. Your, your brain and your body prefer fat as its primary fuel. Doesn't mean we don't need some glucose. We do, but we store, you know, two to 300 grams in our, our uh, organs every day. We really need a minimal amount every day, probably no more than 30 milligrams. So, you know, one Coca-Cola with 38 grams can, can blow someone out. We really don't need that much, but we do need fat. And it does take, a, and it's a transitionary period, because while you're transitioning to get realigned with your, you know, upregulating up your genetics to become fat-burning switches again, that process can be a little painful because your brain in the first couple of weeks is starving for the glucose, the drug that you've given it. And so there is a transitionary period, but once you've made it down that road, here is the biggest blessing about it. It eliminates all food disorders, obsessions, and issues. And that is something that is, is the biggest winner of them all. Yes, people cure diseases. Yes, people lose weight. Yes, people who reverse diabetes. There's all sorts of great success stories. Uh, and you can go to Mark's Daily Apple or the primalblueprint.com and see those. But the one thoroughfare through all of them, including myself, because I was a food addict and I thought about food all the time, nonstop, I thought something was wrong with me. I thought I would have to go to Overeaters Anonymous. I thought, are people hiding their food struggles with me and they're not thinking about it all day? Or did I just get cursed? Um, I would eat a meal and be thinking about the other two meals for the day. I couldn't stop thinking about it. It didn't matter what my weight was. Now, sure, did candida and other things play a factor into those cravings? Maybe. But what really played a factor was because I was hypoglycemic and I was on a sugar-burning train. So how do you know you're a fat burner? You're a fat burner when you literally could go an entire day and be going strong, work out, uh, read a book, uh, write a book report, do everything and not have one drop in mental, physical, energy, or anything at all. It's a miracle. And when you think about it, that's how our ancestors meant to live. If we had to eat every two, three hours, population would have never made it, would have all died. You would have uh, had a sugar meltdown at the halfway up the mountain and then become prey for another animal. What if you didn't have animals for a couple of weeks? How would you have survived? And we have those built-in survival mechanisms, and it's called living off of ketones and living off of our own fat. And so we really are all designed as humans to primarily benefit from burning fat. And the reason you know that we're, it's not the opposite is because everyone in the other paradigm has gotten type 2 diabetes, including all of the famous authors and professors that wrote books back in the day, like Timothy Noakes wrote a book called The Lore of Running. And he is now falling on his own sword because his whole book was, here's how you carb up for a marathon and how you carb load during a race <laughs> and all of that stuff. And guess what? Right. Now he has type 2 diabetes. 
And he's come out and said, you know what, we got it all wrong. If you look at the cover of Time magazine a couple years ago, piece of butter on the cover, it said, eat butter, everything we knew right. about fat was wrong. So the paleoprimal paradigm is not just a food. So it's part of it is becoming fat adapted and becoming making that primary fuel fat, which is a a high fat, moderate protein, low carb paradigm. Then there's another element to it, which is lifestyle. And part of this lifestyle of paleoprimal is our ancestors might have sprinted every once in a while, you know, chasing an animal once a week or, or play, et cetera. But they were not on the treadmill every day doing chronic cardio. And chronic cardio is really defined at, anything extensive over 75% of your max heart rate, because at that point you are burning glucose and you're in a, you know, you don't want to do that. So you really want to stay in a fat burning state. So part of the paleo primal lifestyle is about slowing down. It's about, you know, I got fat doing hot yoga five days a week. And most people will eventually, because that is an adrenal burner. You will get fat around the middle after that. You think, oh, I'm sweating. I'm burning fat. I'm toasting up in here. It's 90 degrees. Yeah, I'm going to torch this fat. And what it does is it backfires because of what it does to your adrenals and what it does for afterwards. Oh, I'm sore. Now I'm hungry because I just burned. I had this huge glycolytic situation, burned all my glucose, and now my muscles are sore, et cetera. Now I never get sore and tired after working out. And I work out even less and it's so much more pleasant to not haul ass up a mountain and enjoy the slow walk. So that's another part of it. And usually people are missing an element. So they might have like the food down or they might be eating from the food list, but they're still eating like way too much fruit or potatoes. And so they're still high carb and that's not primal or they're eating and they're fat adapted from the food list, but they are still overworking out. Right. So there's, there's one paradigm that's usually, missing here. And people have so many misconceptions about it because they think it's some fad, you know, doing the zone or South beach or anything like that is kind of like taking a Pfizer medication. It's, it's not, not that Pfizer medications are bad, but it's like taking a pharma, big pharmaceutical med that would right. manipulate your body in a way that it's not meant to work. Kind of like a birth control pill, right? That's totally unnatural to the human body. Same thing for all of these other diets and paradigms out there. It might be a quick fix, but also, I don't know about you, I don't want to eat five tiny small meals a day. I'd rather just pig out for several hours in one meal. Like, that's not enjoyable to me to have, like, a macadamia nut and a grape every two hours. You know, so, you know, so it's, you know, it's not a sense of freedom. Like, what do you, how do you live your life? Like, every two, three hours, you know? I mean, every two, three hours i got to eat. It's so great. I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I've taken a plane flight, you know, five-hour plane flight, hour at the airport, hour on the other end. Didn't need to eat one thing. Everyone on the plane dying. Give me Pringles. I'm starving. I need something. And you know what? To be able to be in a world where you don't even think or care about food, and then when you do, it's just totally like an intuitive, amazing choice. That's what I wish upon everybody because, you know, I'm glad that hypothyroidism is out of my life, but I'll tell you I'm even more grateful that food obsessions and food addictions are completely gone from my life. I I thought, oh, my God, I can't believe I, I would have to live my whole life this way. It just seems so daunting, but I'm here to tell you that there's a way to turn that off. And, um, you know, it takes 21 days to a month, and that's why, you know, Mark Sisson, the publisher of my book, um, and he wrote The Primal Blueprint, has a 21-day transformation because it really does take 21 days for those genetic switches to be upregulated and to things to get turned around. But once they do, it's a whole new world. And um, so the reason that helps with, with, um, with thyroid is a couple ways. One, it is the ultimate in adrenal and glucose management because of how it does manage blood glucose. In fact, if you're going to try to reverse type 2 diabetes, that's how you would do it, is follow a paleo 
paradigm. But also, here's the thing. So let's talk about the person that's running every day and, like, training for a marathon, and they might be really skinny and maybe they're even under-eating a little bit. Who knows? But they're definitely, let's say, over-exercising. Here's the primal perspective of the body. Uh-oh, this chick is running from danger, and not only that, she doesn't have much body fat, so and she might be starving. So until she's out of danger or gets some food, we are lowering this metabolic rate immediately. Because she might not get to food soon, so we don't want her to burn any more fat. Furthermore, we don't want her to get pregnant. We don't want her to have a sexual, you know, uh, sexy, sexy feelings because we don't want – she's in no position to have a baby right now. Hence all of the infertility. Hence all of the miscarriages with hypothyroid. It's like you have to understand that your body's trying to save you at every minute. It's trying to save you. So awesome. when you're overrun, you know, when you're under eating and you're overworking out, the body's going, yo, yo, yo. Same for the guy. It's going, yo, we're taking down his test drive. We're going to lower his testosterone. So it could be, again, you could be in a state of just mental stress with, like, a bad divorce and lawyers and horrible things happening. Like, it could just be a right. mental, emotional, stressful state that you're in, and then the body gets that signal, uh-oh, because, see, in that stressful state, even though you may not be running a marathon every day, you don't even have to work out, but your body is releasing cortisol, and it is in that fight or flight, and that is sending right. a message to your primal thyroid perspective. The other thing is I realize now when I look back, I probably had euthyroid sick syndrome when I look at my labs, meaning that's where starvation really does play a role. So in my old paradigm of over-exercising and following that low-fat, low-carb, whatever the hell I was doing, that in and of itself uh, was kind of sending the message that I was starving. Do you know what I mean? And so no wonder my body said, and overworking out. So I did both of them. So it's like so many, much perceived stress. And, and that's, really, that's really important. So a lot of people, reverse T3 problems are on the rise. And here's why. Because you do have someone who's overworking out or someone who's not working out at all and just has a stressful life, not getting enough sleep. In those moments, the body is not going to want to convert that T4 to the active biologically fat-burning, you know, metabolism-producing T3. It's going to want to convert it into the inactive version to try to save you. It's trying to help right. you. So how do we then give it the right messages so that it works right? Well, we have to send the right messages through physical activity, meaning slow it down, get into a primal paradigm. Now, when you're a sugar burner, you have to work out like that because it's two steps forward, two steps backwards when you're in a, a, a sugar burning paradigm. For example, if you're a sugar burner and let's say it's been four hours since you've eaten, well, now your muscle will start to break down. <laughs> You'll become catabolic. And now your blood sugar drops, right? So now you need to eat. And you're on this hamster wheel that will never end, and that does mean you are going to have to work out more or work out in a certain way to keep on that hamster wheel. When you're fat adapted, you almost don't even need to work out at all. But if you did and you didn't eat for, let's say, a day or even two, uh, your muscles would not catabolize. So, you know, when we look at the human body and these different connections, we see it's just so clear how the primal perspective fits in. Does that make sense? I hope this all makes a little sense. I know it can be, I can clarify anything here. No. Yeah. We so I, right. We're on the same page as far as understanding and uh, we're right along with you, Tiff. Yes. Question for you, L. a day in the food of L. Mm-hmm. What's this a morning, day in your, um, a day in your food. Uh, let's see. Well, it is about 10 a.m. My time in California. I woke up around 6.30. I had a cup of coffee, nothing in it. And then 
I'm never really hungry in the morning hours. However, I feel a need for something, but I don't like to eat food food for some reason. It just is weird. So I had a cup of bone broth with a scoop of grass-fed whey protein and a quarter of an avocado. And that is sort of like a little bit of a morning, just get a little something in me. Also, because I do take supplements as well. So it's a way to kind of have a little bit of a fat delivery for that. And that's very light. So I either do something very light like that um, or nothing at all or just straight up fat. So if I don't do the bone broth and a little bit of whey protein, I might literally just eat half an avocado with salt. That would be anything I would eat between morning and noon or something like that. And then it just depends. My eating window is really between like 2.30 and 5.30. And at any time in there, I might, uh, that's when my biggest eating is going to happen. And it's going to involve some form of animal protein or fish protein. And sometimes vegetables, sometimes I'll have a green smoothie. It just really depends. I try to get something green in me every day, but I also believe that people are trying to pack too much vegetables into their life sometimes too, and that can cause digestive issues and problems. I think in general we eat too much. Now, my level of caloric efficiency is so much higher than anyone else who's not fat adapted. And what happens is, is over time the amount of calories that once sustained you will become less and less and less as you become more calorically efficient and sort of cleaned up, so to speak, on the inside. So I operate on much less food overall than I did two years ago. And that's a weird thing that happens as well. Um, so, it, so I mean, I always eat some kind of, you know, right now I'm not eating too much fish just as I'm going through the, the mercury thing, but I'll, like yesterday, eat a chicken breast. I might eat, uh, have a green smoothie, eat a bunch of vegetables cook. I'll eat a bunch of fat. Um, you know, it could be a handful of nuts. It could be just straight up butter. Um, if I'm in a restaurant waiting for my food and there's bread and butter, I'll eat a piece of butter if I'm hungry just to hold me over. So uh, there's also, you know, occasionally I'll have paleo granolas or if I feel like I want a treat, I'll do fruit and whipped cream, you know, and things like that. And sure, I'm a human being. Occasionally I'm going to probably eat in a bagel once every couple of years or I'm going to have Thanksgiving stuffing. I might pay for it a little bit in terms of how it makes me feel, but um you know, it's about being human, right? And, you know, you can have a piece of brie with some good real French bread somewhere at a thing. It's just that I wouldn't buy that loaf and that piece of cheese every week and eat it like I once used to, you know? Right, um, right, right, right. Any, are there any, you grains for... or dairy. I try not to do grains, dairy, and legumes. Uh, uh, however, though, once a month I do during menstrual cycle, I crave dairy and I crave um I'll have like, you know, some cheese then or something. So I do indulge right. in cravings. It's just that I, I definitely don't make dairy a regular part of my life, nor grains. Right, right. Are there any health concerns or anything that would prevent someone from a primal eating? You know, liver issue, a fatty acid metabolism issue. Are there, is there anything that would not apply? Maybe, well, if you had some rare disease where you couldn't eat any protein, that might uh, well, that could right, be one. Right. The other one, um, there's, well, let's see. Let me see. You, I just had a thought on that. Um, I know fat yes. metabolism if can be a, a big problem for people with liver issues. Right. Well, first of all, if you have liver issues, this would probably clean it up. But secondly, the only other thing that we get a lot of question on is if you're missing a gallbladder. Okay? So oh, the right, people... Right. The people who are have had a gallbladder removed, they absolutely can still live a high-fat paradigm. They would just have to incorporate more coconut fat into that because coconut is actually – your gallbladder doesn't really um, – you don't need it. Like it, 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 
you can you can look it up. I probably butcher the metabolic process by which this happens, but it kind of like coconut and sat, the saturated fat and coconut fat. It bypasses that process of the gallbladder, so it's even a better fat for people without a gallbladder. However, that being said, someone without a gallbladder still might need to eat less fat than their friend next to them who has a gallbladder and is on the same program. Other than that, no. In fact, having a fatty liver or any other kind of issues can usually be cleaned up through, you know, part of this paleo primal paradigm is not just a food list. It's about cleaning all the crap out, right? Getting rid of these canola oils and, and other foods that are detrimental. So once you really clean up the whole environment, I think fat processing gets into, gets into control. I don't suggest that anybody go into serious try of ketosis if they're hypothyroid and not healed yet, um, mostly because it just won't work uh, anyway, and it would be a, a level of suffering that would be difficult, um, probably more emotionally than physically. Uh, so that's one thing where I'd say, all right, well, I wouldn't go serious primal paleo ketogenic if you are suffering from hypothyroidism or trying to fix it. I would uh, stick with a more moderate approach there but no in fact it's for everybody and here's why it's because our genetics are dictated this way that doesn't mean to say like eggs might be on a primal list and someone could have an issue with eggs you know i mean so of course everything's individual but at the end of the day no our genetics are absolutely in line with all of the foods on that list barring you know there are people with hashimoto's that get affected by a red pepper spice or quinoa like you know you just that's an individual process. Um, you know, people with rheumatoid arthritis are the ones that really can tell because they get an uh, immediate um, physical reaction versus some with Hashimoto's. You might not feel the rise and fall of your antibodies, particularly if right. you're on thyroid hormone replacement, where someone with rheumatoid arthritis would feel it because their hands would get stiff. And so through that, you know, and through Eileen Laird's work and, paleo, uh, and Sarah Ballantyne, the paleo approach, and also just, you know, the AIP, the autoimmune protocol, there are so many other factors. But yes, in general, everything on this paleo primal list and this paradigm is 100% aligned with human DNA and genetics. This is not a fad diet or a trickery situation. And if anyone wants to really delve into the science on this, there is a great documentary, which is on Netflix, I believe now for free, but it's also a cheap rental on iTunes called The Perfect Human Diet by CJ Hunt. And he dropped he drops out of a heart attack onto a track at age 18 and searched his whole life for the right diet. He raw vegan for five years, traveled the world. He's an investigative reporter. And he came across this. And if you're looking for all of the scientific reasons into this, then that's the documentary slash book for you called The Perfect Human Diet. So the stuff that I'm talking about is not a fad. What's a fad is the zone in the South Beach. What's a fad is any other diet that even HCG, anything that's doing a manipulation of your system, this is aligned with it, not a manipulation of it. It works with it. And that's why you, no one will ever be satiated for the long term or won't ever have long-term weight loss when you're working off of the eat every two, three hours paradigm because you're spiking your insulin every two, three hours. No, you shouldn't be spiking it at all, very minimally. And so that will end up creating problems, either an adrenal imbalance, a sugar imbalance, and then those can lead to thyroid and other hormones being thrown off. So again, even you'd have to be perfect at managing that every two, three hours, you know, and, and who has this, I don't know, don't you guys have days where you're not necessarily going to be hitting a grocery store or food within five hours? So what kind of life is that to live making sure you're always within, you know, bounds of food or else you're going to have a meltdown? You know, it's a different level of freedom to walk out there during the day and go, 
I, look, right now, what I just told you, I had so little bone broth and whey protein and a little bit of avocado. It seems like nothing. It's probably only like 150 calories, right? But at the end of the day, I could probably go all day long and be totally 100% fine, even going to next morning. That seems kind of crazy to people. But when you experience it, it makes sense because it feels right and it feels great. So it's, uh, and it's a level of mental focus and clarity that's uh, beyond belief. And if you want to eliminate any potential brain fog or mental issues that have come from hypothyroidism, then this is the way to go too. And it's the way to go to see and assess, am I truly having a brain issue right now? Or am I in a fog because I just ate a bunch of sugar? You know, so in order to get well and get to the end of this, you've got to clean up on your own, the diet and the lifestyle, because then you can really see where things for what they are, if that makes sense. And there's right. a 21-day, um, you know, pr- primal diet to kind of reset, correct? Yeah, Mark Sisson has a 21. You can go on to the primalblueprint.com. I'm sure there's a lot of free information on there. It's a 21-day transformation. There's even a book on it. And it's about, you know, taking the 21 days to do this reset and switch it over. Now, if you do that reset, that part of that is lifestyle too. That means you've got to stop getting on that elliptical every day and pounding out at a high heart rate uh, while you're also doing this. Um, right, there's other also, adjustments most, is what you're saying. There are. And most people also think this is a high-protein diet. Just want to let you know, people don't know this. When you overeat protein, it turns into glucose. So it's not a high-protein diet. It's not when in doubt, eat meat. That is literally not what this is about. It's a moderate protein. It's also not eat all the fat you want. Um, if you are trying to burn fat off your body, then you need to not intake as much, right? You know, there, there's some balancing there. But for the most part, the, the best part about it is the adrenal and blood glucose management. That helps people heal with the thyroid along the way as well. So if you're healing with thyroid, you're starting thyroid hormone, or you're trying to reverse this naturally, if you want to get there sooner, you adopt the paleoprimal principles, and you will get there sooner. Because you're not doing anything along the way, either glucose or adrenal-wise, to impede your success. And that's what a lot of people do. And it's, it's a real pitfall because when you're getting fat and fat and fatter by the day and you have no control of your body, there is just a natural inclination to go, I got to go sweat it out on the treadmill. And, right. you know, it's really hard to stop yourself and go, this is going to back. It's actually going to make the person fatter and heal less quickly. That's the toughest thing when I talk to people to try to impart on them. Very difficult. But if you're out there and you're going, well, I know, but I feel better after I work out. You know, I feel like such crap because I'm hypo but I feel better after I work out. Here's why. The only reason you feel better after workout is you've just flooded your body with all these flight or fight hormones, and that is absolutely the wrong thing to do in that scenario. You know what I mean? Right. You Especially will get cortisol. To a, that's right. right. And that's and why people get, get heavier. <laughs> right. Especially around Some the middle. people get heavier. Especially right. around the middle. That's right. Yep. You know, I did too. I got so fat around the middle. And by the way, stomach fat is its own organ, for Christ's sakes. That is the last... <laughs> sucker to go when you've lost weight it's a it's a brutal it's a brutal one and you know five days of hot yoga did that for me I got fatter around my middle and I you know again I had this false sense of oh I'm gonna burn and sweat this fat out of my body and you know I would have gotten there faster had I just gone for a nice long walk seriously right and well and the mineral depletion that happens in hot yoga people don't realize that it's a huge drainer of minerals because, of course, you're excessively perspiring. That's, that's the whole point. It's right. I mean, I'd rather see someone take a walk with no sweat and go sit in a sauna for 10 minutes than to actually do a hot right. yoga session. And it's not to say hot right. yoga can't be done once a week as a high-intensity right. thing. Right, exactly. That's fine. 
That's fine. That's the key, right? There's there's people the balance. That are, that's right. And for people <laughs> suffering, don't do high intensity. Just for people that are suffering and on the way to wellness, that's not the time to do any high intensity stuff. You wait right. till you're better, then you can jump into that because that stuff during the time when you're healing will slow down the process of getting better. And also really just antagonistic to any hormones you're putting into your body that your doctor's given you because you're on replacement or just antagonistic to your own thyroid. If you're trying to heal something naturally, uh, you would follow the same protocol. It's the same for both. Whether you're taking them or whether your body's given it to them, you want to make sure that the hormones are being not only output in the right way, but that they are being metabolized properly. That's where most doctors fail because they'll just give someone medication, not realizing that there's all sorts of things underlying how that thing is actually metabolized and delivered to the cells or if they even get in the cells, et cetera. Um, And that's really what's most important, right? Because who cares if you're just taking pills, you want them to work. Right, right, right. Well, I love the fact that you talk about, you know, the differences in people and how, you know, paleo and, and primal is not just running out and eating a ton of meat. And you know what I mean? That's such a mis. Like there's so many people that assume that that's what paleo means, you know? And, it really is. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm sure your book, The Paleo Star Revolution, uh... sort of lays out all of these things that, you know, the do's and don'ts of starting, because I imagine that's a huge, you know, uh, critical point. Like you were talking about Mark with the 21 days. Like he probably lays out how you do this. You know, it's not like you just run out and just start eating meat and that's. But that a lot of people think that. Like a lot of that people. That is what they do. It's a complete misnomer for sure. And I have to say really totally. quick, since you mentioned the book, Kiff, um, is that I'm, I have the book right here in my hand. And I just wanted to tell mm-hmm. you why I had you on the phone. It's gorgeous. It really, really is. And, I mean, it is. You know, I am definitely one of those where I like pictures. But, of course, I want meat in the book. I want there to be lots of content and things. And it is. It's just laid out nicely. It's easy to read. It's got, you know, great information. I mean, it's just really, really very pretty. In fact, I I held it up. I was uh, FaceTiming with someone yesterday, and I was like, you have to see the inside of the book. And I'm, like, fanning through the, the book. So, I love well, it. You know, a lot of people, thank you so much. A Absolutely. lot of people say that, and I love that compliment. It is really an intention of mine because I know how horrific it is to suffer with hypothyroidism. And at the very least, I wanted to give someone like at least a beautiful tropical journey. As you notice, most of the photos in my book are from Hawaii. <laughs> and right. uh, I wanted to create also that for people, just like, my God, you're hating it. Now you've got to read this book and your brain doesn't even work. And you probably have to read it with a friend or a husband because you can't understand it because you're a mess. And, you know, at the very least, it's like aesthetically pleasing. And I wanted to present all the information in a way that could be synthesized, whether that be through illustrations. And I want to mention to people, the one thing in my book that's missing from a lot of books that I thought was really important, blood work, before and afters. How do I look at blood work? Uh, what do they look like? What does one patient's look like before when they were bad and then looks like when they were good? I mean, these are things missing from books that I thought was so important because it's one thing to tell someone to get a test and it's like, great, well then how do I evaluate it? So I really want to teach patients and people how to get to know their blood work, to even double check their doctor, right? To, to ask the right questions. And we, we didn't talk about it too much, but I have an amazing, um, I'm sure you would agree, Q&A in the back with Dr. Forsman, who's a primal yep. integrative functional doctor, which is almost kind of worth the book in and of itself. And that's something that you're going to hear from a decorated doctor, why other doctors fail at this. And if that's something you even need to show to your doctor, that's why I put it in there. 
Um, the other thing I put in there was letters, was letters and issues surrounding relationships and jobs. People get fired from their jobs. People quit. People get divorced. People break up. People lose friends. This is a really tough disease because the person's suffering, often undiagnosed. So they've gone to a bunch of doctors, and everyone either thinks they're a hypochondriac or thinks, like, well, you're just lame. Nothing's wrong with you. Your personality changes. <laughs> It, for a variety of reasons, and a lot of it's right. adrenal-related. You become overwhelmed. You can't deal with sounds or lights or smells. These, you become a person no one kind of wants to hang out with. You become a party pooper. Uh, you become depressed, agitated. Uh, just the thought of doing more than, like, one task a day is just overwhelming and can bring a hypothyroid patient to tears. These are things that are not discussed in a lot of books. So I write direct letters to, you know, hey, if you're the husband of someone who's suffering, let me tell you what's up. Just to throw a little compassion out there. Um, the right. other thing, too, is there's the side of what your behavior was, then you figure it out, then you get better. Now you might have to go back and clean up some stuff and let people know what was happening. You know, because a lot of people go through this, they didn't know what was happening. I had a friend call me in tears, and I write about in the book, after I got better, because I didn't know what was going on. I went to a bunch of doctors. No one helped me. I'm falling apart. Two years, you know, I'm a mess. And... um I was probably not a great friend to hang out with, and it was a total downer. And my friend called me crying afterwards and said, I feel so bad because I kind of was judging you as a person and thought you had become really lame and you were a party pooper and I was kind of mad and resentful at you, and now I'm in tears. I feel so bad because we both didn't know. You, you were really hating it. You had a disease that was affecting you. And I almost want to cry thinking about that now. Like, that's so sad right. to me. And I know what's going on all over the world. There's a success story in my book, Cher, who quit her job because she was in a job dealing with numbers. And you start to, you have more right. T3 receptors in your brain than anywhere else. You start to become dumb, literally dumb, and can't process numbers and can't read right and can't think. And so this girl quit her job for fear that she'd get fired because she goes, I'm getting dumb. I can't, I don't know what's happening to my brain. And that's a hidden one. If anyone out there is feeling like you have a friend who either has like dropped the ball on their dreams in life and kind of given up either, whether it be given up on themselves and hygiene and working out and caring about themselves or whether it be just kind of giving up on their dreams and their passions, that's a big sign. Anyone who's going through a depression um, but what it feels like on the inside that people don't want to talk about, probably because it's embarrassing or it feels weird, is it feels like you're getting old. And you are. You are in an accelerated aging situation. And that's what it feels like. I'm getting dumber. I'm getting stupid. I kind of don't care about anything more. I just feel like giving up. Those kind of symptoms, that's when you need to go get your thyroid checked. Right. Amen. That is I that's mean, a huge flower field right there. It you know, is. For because so many people. So many people that are listening right now are feeling that. So thank you for sh- for sharing. Seriously, yeah. that is I, I, probably, I get it. It's horrible. It is. The it's probably way more I, common than we think. Oh, it's such a, sure. and no like, one understands except for other patients. The only thing that saved me was, and I'll mention it, I mentioned in my book, the Natural Thyroid Hormone Yahoo group that was started by Janie Bothorpe, who is a fellow thyroid author of Stop the Thyroid yeah. Madness, who is unbelievable. She saved my life before she even wrote that book because she pointed me in a direction that got me on, on the right path. And um, her work is amazing. She's amazing. And, you know, it's a powerhouse. Part, yeah. A real definitely powerhouse. definitely a powerhouse. And part of this whole thing is, you know, thank God for some of those fellow patients because there was a time when I had nobody. I had nobody but the Internet. 
nobody to cry to, no one to talk to who really understood it. It's really hard because it's something you also can't see. People have a lot more sympathy for when your arm's broken and you're in a cast. Mm-hmm. The other thing is the awful judgment you get on the weight gain. You're already feeling horrible about your body. Cause, and look, some people don't experience weight gain, but it is such a prevalent symptom that, you know, it's, it's really more often more common than not. And so you're gaining weight. You have no control of your body. You're depressed. And then also you're depressed because you have no control of your body. And no one can really see what's happening in the inside. So then you are getting judgments from the outside world, people looking at you like, yeah, right, you work out. I had someone say that to someone else in front of me, and I probably cried the rest of the day after that because I was working out two hours a day. And I tell you what, I learned um, the one thing I'm happy about is I used to be so fit and whatever, and even though I wasn't in the right paradigm of eating and I was struggling with food addictions, I judged other people. I would walk by a really fat person and just think to myself, oh, my God, stop it. You know, really shitty judgment. And I'll tell you this, I'm really glad to have been put in this situation because the level of compassion that you end up having for them. Now when I see someone who's, like, really obese and, like, riddled with acne, my first thought is, oh, my God, I hope they get to the bottom of that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my God. Like, I just have an immediate I, – because I was once fat and riddled with acne, too, when I used to have perfect skin. And, you know, my, my health took a, a 180 to disasterhood. And so when I see someone like that now, there is zero judgment. Even if I see two huge obese people eating like ice cream, my first thought is, it's just, I look at them and I go, I feel bad because I know what it's like to be an addict, a food addict, and they're addicted and they just don't know how to get out of it. You know, it's a level of compassion when you've been through something like this. The other benefit of this for people out there suffering right now is when you are better, because this is fixable, everybody, so don't let anyone tell you it's not fixable. Because a lot of doctors say, well, you always probably have issue X because you have hypothyroidism. No, this is totally solvable. But one of those things is, you know, you're, you're kind of told that certain things are impossible, like losing weight or getting better, they are not, and I'm here to tell you that once you feel normal again, and some, oftentimes people feel better than they ever have because they never, ever were totally normal, and then they're like, wow, I didn't even know if you get this good, and that's usually what happens. Right, they develop that a new a, normal. Yeah. yeah. Right, and that level of gratitude is something, man, if you've never not been normal in your life, you, you, <laughs> this is a gift to have this contrast of having a disease so or having something – because there are days, even though I've felt good for quite many years now, I still have days where I am brought to tears from my eyes because I have a moment of remembering how horrific it was, and I just have this moment of just teary-eyed gratitude for being normal, and that's so great. And that's why people who, you know, have breast cancer say, oh, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. And you're like, how could cancer be positive, right? But you get it. When you've been through something, you get it. It shows you who your friends are. It can clean up relationships, particularly what, with, what happens with hypothyroidism. Right. Um, it can really increase your, your happiness quotient from here on out is like higher than it would have been had you not been through it. That's my opinion. It's a and gift. So I feel like it's a blessing. Yes. It is. It does. Yep, I totally yes. 100% agree with that. <laughs> Total gift. And we got to help other Get women. It. You know, this is disproportionately a women's disease. Uh, Men are definitely affected, but it really is disproportionately a women's disease. And my whole goal is, look, get educated. Figure it out because you're going to run into people with hypothyroidism. Get them Everywhere. off of this yeah. shitty path <laughs> that takes years. You know, get, let's pay it forward. And that's why I say at the end of my book, hey, all I ask is that you educate yourself, you'll get better, and then you know you pay it forward. Whether that means showing someone the Stop the Thyroid Madness website or showing them my book or showing them, prime, you know, whatever it is, 
let's equip all the women and the sufferers of hypothyroidism, right. men included, to get educated here so that you can help others because 200 million people in the world have it. I ran into 10 people in just one month on a vacation and I never even brought up the subject. So like if that's happening to me, you know what I mean? They're everywhere. You can't even go outside. Yeah. You can't go outside right. or get online and you see pictures. I mean, there, I had um, Isabella Wentz, you know, posted a question saying, yep. would you be offended if I said something to you? Uh, right. just your pictures and things If you had, you know, thyroid disease or whatever. And most people said, no, go ahead and tell me. And so, I mean, I'm not going to do that, but I walk outside and I take a walk and I have friends and I'm online. And I'm like, oh, my God, these people don't have a clue. And they probably all have some kind of thyroid issue that is not yep. optimized out. I want to just tell them. And- You're breaking well, up really wanna- bad, honey. Oh, sorry. sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's, it's true. And also the thing about, so like 20 plus million Americans, have it, um, probably 25 plus million Americans, but 60% are also undiagnosed. So, you know, the thing is, is that I just want to make this very clear to people that uh, hopefully people listening understand this already, but you cannot live without a thyroid gland, period, end of story. It's one in a billion chances any kid is born with that deformity without a thyroid. If so, they're going to die right away unless they get thyroid hormones. You have to have a thyroid gland. If you don't have it, it's been surgically removed and in its place you have been given thyroid hormones because again, you'll die without them. So if you're going to die without a thyroid gland, what do you think is going to happen to your life when you're living with suboptimal levels of them and or suboptimal, you know, metabolism of those hormones? You're going to die a slow, horrifically accelerated aging death. That's what happened to me at 30. I was falling apart rapidly. No doubt I would have gotten a disease that would have eventually killed me. That's what happens, you know, and so it's also a really crappy slow burn. I've said it before, like, I don't know about you, but if I'm going to get murdered, I'd like just one quick stab to the heart. I don't know if I want like a drawn out, you know, like torturous, you know, and that's what hypothyroidism is. So it behooves everybody listening, thyroid problem or not, get your thyroid optimized, learn how to optimize nutrients and the underlying soup of your body, whether that be changing your activity in your diet or whether that be, you know, upping selenium and optimizing nutrients like iron, this stuff is preventable. It is fixable. It's reversible and it's treatable. So there's no reason why anyone out there is suffering. There are answers, but what it does take is a level of perseverance and it's hard to have perseverance when you're depressed and you're fat and you've been to hundred doctors, but I'm here to tell you, because of my perseverance in finding the answers and then being able to share it with the world, you will too. And so, um, and great, you know, the work of Isabella Wentz or Janie Bothorp or myself. And I just want to point out one thing. If someone has a serious reverse T3 problem and they feel that they have not been able to correct it by other means and someone has to go on T3 only, I suggest getting a book called Recovering with T3 by Paul Robinson. He is another fellow patient out of England who wrote this amazing book solely about T3 and the inability to convert T4. That book saved my life when I had to go on T3. Um, And so if anyone has to go down that road, get that book. It will be your Bible, and it's an important one. And we've we've tried to get him on the show. He's really, really busy. But, yes, we are very aware, Recovering with T3 and Paul Robinson. Thank you for sharing and reminding us. And just before we go, I know we've kind of already asked you what the day in the life of your eating looks like, but do you mind sharing um, how old you are? I know that sounds kind of funny, but, I mean, you just look like you're 
12. And I know you've done <laughs> Thank all, you. of these, <laughs> all of these things and, and you're gorgeous and you're thriving now. So I think it might yeah. be inspiring to know. Well, I hope so. And that's why I put pictures of me in the book as well and before and after photos so that people could see how fat and bloated and miserable I looked and then, you know, see the other. Um, I'm, I'm turning 44 in August, which is really hilarious for me to even speak those words because I forgot how old I was the other day. And most people think I'm 32. Most people think I'm 32. I'm so grateful for that. I mean, I'm sure part of that's genetics, but I will tell you what. The accelerated aging that happened during hypothyroid, I look younger now oh, than sure. I did just seven years ago. It is really horrific how hypothyroidism can affect wrinkles, your skin, elasticity, everything. So I certainly feel like I definitely even look younger now. I also try to keep telling myself the story every day. I'm like, ah, I'm aging backwards. That's my, my affirmation. I'm like, I'm and you're speaking so with aging it. Backwards. I That's love right. that, aging backwards. But if you guys look up Mark Sisson or Car- and or Carrie Sisson, you know, Mark is 64, Carrie is about 61, right. and both of them are extreme. Anyone can Google them, and you can see their, how, how great they look. They are a great example of aging gracefully and, and how to really take anti-aging by the horns, and they are certainly uh, role models for me. Um, yeah, so I'm turning 44, which is really, really funny. And it's weird because when I am out or I go to the bank or something, people do think I'm so much younger. And trust me, it is so flattering. And I love, I love that people come up to me sometimes that are younger and say, wow, I hope when I'm your age I look that way. Because, see, when I was their age, I would say that to people my age. So it's just like, right, you know, right. carrying that forward. <laughs> and so I'm like, hey, I guess I'm in that situation now where people are saying that to me, and that's kind of funny. But um, yeah, it is possible to really reverse reverse the situation, and you're going to feel so much younger than you ever did once you get through it. That that I can guarantee. Uh, well, this was just so inspiring and amazing. uplifting, and just amazing, Elle. I really, really appreciate um, you coming on and and just connecting with me and with Tiff today, and uh, just wish you the best of luck. And and we're going to follow your journey, and we're going to follow your non medication path, and. Uh, and besides that, is there anything Any, new coming up for you? Thanks. That's what I was going to ask her. <laughs> um, well, you know, actually, uh, I have a, a documentary that's coming out um, soon that has nothing to do with Paleo Promo, but it's a documentary film that's interesting called Headhunt Revisited. Uh, people can go to the website to check that out. And then just doing the, the podcasting, I am going to come out with a webinar. I'm going to do that this summer. I'm coming out with an audio book. I'm finishing that soon. So the audio book version of my book will be out this summer. And then also oh, awesome. I'm going to do a webinar. I'm going to do a webinar series that people, um, you know, can purchase and have because I do do a lot of thyroid coaching and there are a lot of nuances to this. And I want to be able to have a place that touches, you know, my book could have been a thousand pages had I added everything right, but you have to stop at some point, you know, and so, you know, (laughs) um, so there's all these nuances. I'd love to be able to and going to do a webinar that will cover all aspects. So there might be a module on just people with T3 only and all of the thoughts and the parameters around that. And then one module that will literally just be, hey, are you trying to reverse this naturally? And you're not even on thyroid hormone yet. Like, what do you do? You know, and so I want to go through all of those protocols and stages so that people have even more in-depth avenue there. And then also, if anyone contacts me uh, through my website, lrust.com, I always email back everybody a very long list of free resources, some free podcasts on the subject, how to find the right doctor, linking to the National Thyroid Hormone Group. They have a good doctor list compiled by patients, you know. I try to give as much free information to people to just even get them on the right path 
uh, aside from my book. So anyone doesn't even have to buy my book. They can reach out to me through my website and I'll give them a good fresh start of like, here are the blood tests to get. Here are some great, you know, here's to send you on your way in the right direction. Cause I don't and want I'm, anyone and I'm to I'm sure that suffer. you could, um, you could, uh, you know, include thyroid nation on your um, email free link to people now because you've been on the show. Absolutely. I will. I'm going to add it in there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm so glad you guys are getting the workout and doing this, this show and having all these different experts on and talking about all this. You, you might really want to have Dr. Forsman on who's uh, yeah. back from my book. I've, I've done a lot of podcasts with him. In fact, for you with the eye disease, you might want to listen to our last, we did a podcast on hyperthyroidism and we did one on thyroid stuff too, but he talks about the eye disease in the hyperthyroidism one. So you might want to take a listen to that. There, I think there's some like kind of specifics about the uh, autoimmune eye disease in there that might, who knows, be helpful. Well, but I, he would I be a great doctor share. to interview. Yeah, yeah well, sure. you, um, absolutely. I, I will definitely look him up. But I have to tell you, I have to tell you that, um, when my uh, when we dropped my side, I honestly think that the the large component in that is that I was over medicated because I don't ah. have the same symptoms as I dropped my medication down. I mean, it, that's that's a whole nother show on a whole nother day. Um, but it yeah. was more a gut instinct for me with my doctor, yep. and he was kind of you know my endocrinologist was really against it, and I said please, please. Can we just can we just try this? Can we just do this? And you know they assumed that the auto autoimmune attack would become greater as the medication came down, and all of the symptoms that I was having—the eye bulging, the twitching, the mm-hmm. there were so the visual troubles—it all went away when we dropped my medication in half. Well, that so makes sense. I completely like resonated you... with you when you were saying, you know, you would get to a point and then your body would allow the, the T4 to you know, uh, make more hormone, make more T3, and then you just kept having to drop and drop down. You know what I'm saying? Totally right there with you on that one. And I swear that they will not wrap their fat heads around that until we as patients start telling them. Right. You know, but, but it takes people to talk about it. I didn't have palpitations. I wasn't hyper. What? I didn't have any classic hyperthyroid symptoms whatsoever other than my eyes. Well, and that's interesting, though, because when you talk about it now, it, it's likely that the whatever the increased amount was that you had to reduce by was creating inflammation behind the eyes, right? Creating oh, inflammation sure. somewhere that ignited that, you know, and inflammation does beget antibodies and some other things. So you took down the inflammation some way or became less inflamed naturally, and then your body said, we don't need as much. Right, it could have well, been. Well, and I truly believe six, I literally felt L. I felt like I was having pressure from the inside out, and I can't explain it. Yeah. It also happened when I first went on natural desiccated thyroid, and you know I have kidney issues. I've got many other things. Uh, I was born with kidney issues, so it's, it's a whole different ballgame for me. But what I found really interesting was. <laughs> This is, well, maybe I'm not going to show it as kind of a TMI, but when I would blow my nose, I literally felt like my eyes were going to pop out. And I'm like, yeah, this I isn't normal. How that would I've be crazy. never had this before. And, you know, but I didn't have any of the classic. But the, the kicker for me was, you know, I have been this, a static weight for, I don't know, 20 years. 
and I started gaining weight, like literally, like two pounds a week. And I eat exactly the same. I, I'm, right. I'm very food controlled. That's a whole other show. But, um, and I started gaining weight, like two pounds a week. And I'm like, this is yep. not normal. You know, this is not normal. And, you know, he kept asking me, did you change your diet? Did you do it? I'm like, no, no, you don't get it, and- right? People don't get the way I eat. Dana knows the way I eat. But Crazy. anyway, and sure enough, we dropped it down. I literally and you became less inflamed. Less inf- I could feel the inflammation, literally, right, Dana? Right. I told you overnight. Yep. I feel so yep. much better. And I swear this is happening to more people than people yep. really know. Because, of course, everyone talks about suppressing the thyroid when you're taking desiccated thyroid. And I'm sure that that works fabulously for some people. Well, I'm not in that category. That's all I can tell you. And, and I'm there's words indi- the individual. Yeah, right. that's where it's totally, right? most people do. Most people, I mean, it's the, more often than not, it's uh, when people are optimized on desiccated, their TSH is suppressed, and that's it's not the goal. It's just what happens. But what like happens, you said, right? This is what is so individual, and that's why you have to take symptoms into account. And luckily, you're working with doctors, and you also have to follow your gut because right. you can't take blood work twice a day every day and see your doctor every day. Exactly. There's got to be some participation and experimentation. Um, also, I'm wondering if you felt this, because when I was on too much and had started to gain weight, right, it seems very like, what's happening? How could this happen? It was right, a very right. inflamey, bloaty weight in my, sure. in my feeling. I like see it in my felt, face. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah. was inflamey, bloaty weight. It felt like uh, it wasn't just like your normal weight gain if you're a normal person and you just gained a few pounds. No, it for sure. It feels And I different. felt literally like I was going to implode. Yeah, busting out of your skin. Literally, like I felt like I was going to implode. Like I didn't look that much different, although, you know, you could definitely see uh, Mm -hmm. where, you know, when I first went on desiccated thyroid, a lot of the fluid came out of my face. It was, it was, Oh yeah. uh, you know, I unfortunately wear everything on my face. I mean, just, you know, anything, whatever it is. (laughs) There's not a whole lot of powder (laughs) coat to me. But so I, I started to get that same hypothyroid, uh, fluid and look in my face uh, being hyper. And the minute that medication That's came right. in half, it completely dropped out. And I was like, Happened to me too. this is craziness, right? There's this window between hypo and hyper that, you know, Big overlap you dietary changes or you start feeling a little bit better. And you, so you start walking or exercising or whatever it is. And then all of a sudden that will shove you a little bit further the other way. Like I, I really think the thyroid takes natural swings that are a little bit bigger than we, we actually realize. That's my own hypothesis. But um, you know what I mean? So any kind of change really can swing us. You know, if we're ideal in one thing and then all of a sudden we have a death in the family or we start working out or whatever, it's going to take all of these the different weather. adjustments. Right? But we, or the weather. Yeah. But we kind of think make static, right? Yeah. Yeah. We have a tendency to think that we're static individuals and that's that's just so not the case. Which is another <laughs> argument for having some T4 around. That's a, and again, right. you're talking to someone who was on T3 only for many years you and I am you lived I lived it. it. It's and it's fine and it was great without it, but it's just that um that's why it's nice 
to have that there. And then again, you know, people that don't know, and it's in my book and it's out there, but especially if you live in a place where seasons do change drastically, you're looking at usually right. a little bit of an increase in the winter Good and, place. you know, decrease in the summer. And you've got to like totally test at least twice a year and make some adjustment factors there. Right. But that's why that T4 is nice because when these big swings happen, then the T4 goes right into reverse T3 and saves you in that moment and then comes back yeah. out and re. You know, and it's doing that for you. And if you're on T3 only, then it can be really mismanaged. And, um, yeah, the high, it is a fine line. It's really a Goldilocks situation. But luckily, because of especially temps and pulse and some other vital indicators, there are ways to – because I've had people go, I feel hyper. And I go, well, that's not really a diagnostic. It's part of it, right? But there's other things to kind right. of confirm or not confirm whether that is oh, really for happening. Sure. Yeah. So, um, well, we appreciate you so much and your book yeah. and, and, you know, telling yeah. people this. I mean, that's the, the uniqueness that we get to experience from talking to people. I, I honestly am just so grateful, um, you know, that people have shared their stories and, like, you wrote, the, you know, written the book and shared what worked. And it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to, to finally have a positive ending to this story <laughs> yeah right and i would love for you, you to need connect to me with your doctor the, so if you don't mind webinar and everything comes yeah. out please yeah oh yeah share I'll, share I'll, share I'll, uh, we're all about sharing yeah. absolutely <laughs> okay honey have a great well, day thank you so much for having me thank, thank you. you so much for taking the time to come on she is amazing i will bet you know and she has quite the um um, oh gosh, I just lost the word. But uh, accolades like screenwriter and I know. you know this is this is a seriously amazing woman sharing an amazing story. Uh, so get her book, Paleo Thyroid Solution, and um, it's it's like a it's like a ha- it's like a happy read, even though it's not in a way. You know, it's like I just loved it. I literally sh- shared the the pages. I fanned the pages so someone could see yesterday. Because it was so, it's so lovely, and um, you know, you're you're always reading these things, and it's you know, you're getting kind of drudged down and all of it, and this is, didn't feel that way at all. So it was lovely. Okay, let's close the show. We talked and talked. I know, right? <laughs> we went, Great show. We went a little bit over. Uh, and real we quick, did. of course, super important. I know that L did mention it, but you can find all things L Russ E L L E R U S S at lrust.com. Uh, her book and uh, podcast, so many wonderful things. And um, can't wait until she gets all those, uh, the webinar and all that. It sounds like good things are in store, mm-hmm. amazing things for lots of different types of people, headhunting, thyroid, yep. everything else. Anyways, lrus.com. Dot com. As always, a very big thank you to our listeners. We do this for you, so thank you for joining us every week. And we'd love uh, your thoughts on iTunes, so hop on over to thyroidradio.com which now connects directly to Thyroid Nation Radio. We have our own link, our own URL for that now. It's called thyroidradio.com. And you can scroll down and you'll be able to uh, listen to all the shows and give us a review and all that kind of good stuff. All right. Please be sure to also check out Thyroid Nation Essentials at thyroidnation.com, products that Dana and I formulated to uh, just healthier skin care and some beneficial things some symptom benefits, and we also talk about things that uh, you should have checked and and what have you uh, when you're having these particular problems. So check it out at Thyroid Nation Essentials, (laughs) thyroidnation.com. 
I felt like a radio sure. person right there. I do too. I know. And uh, make sure to follow our Facebook group. We have uh, we list the weekly guests and what's coming up and lots of good information in there. So check that out. How she's engraved Facebook support group. Check it out. And if you have questions that you know yeah. you might be having burning questions for that particular guest, you can put it in those feeds and and we will get it in there. Of course, Dana and I always want to remind you that wellness is a journey and takes continual maintenance and evaluation. I know that we repeat this at the end of every radio program, but I cannot tell you how important it is to listen to your own body and be mindful of what it is telling you. Elle talked about it. We're amazing, right? The body has amazing responses and amazing things it does. And part of healing, right, is understanding why you are there. Your body's going to tell you. You've got to make sure that you are mindful of what it's telling you. Yep. This is Dana, your thyroid nation, Gringa Tika. And Tiffany Milanich. Bringing the collective voice of thyroid thrivers worldwide so that together, united, we heal. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs>